Hi! Today's episode is with the amazing Esther Seibs. She was a child actor in Germany, and after years in the film industry, she reached a breaking point and decided to completely change her life. In this episode, we talk about taking actions to change your life, how to find your purpose, easy ways to start meditating, and much more. I know there are some background noises, so please bear with me. If you listened to the last episode, you know what happened. And meanwhile, keep listening because I promise every minute that Esther speaks will be worth gold. Hi besties, welcome to Pretty Grounded. Today is Valentine's Day and there's no one better to have than Esther. <laughs> Esther is a hypnotherapist, is that right? Yes. And is an expert in sound bath, meditation, uh, does also many retreats. And if you're in Berlin, you can actually find her in Ohio. Ohio, Ohio meditation. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets that wrong. <laughs> I never know how to say it, but yeah. Ohio meditation, now I know. And I'm very happy to have her today. Welcome to Pretty Grounded. Well, thank you so much. It's really exciting for me. And I just remember because you said it's Valentine's Day. When I met her first, um, I was really love struck in a way, not um, you know, when you when you are struck with somebody that you just feel the aura is is speaking in love to yours. And this is what I had with you, and I really enjoyed the conversation we had. But the first time that we met, and now meeting on Valentine's Day is really sweet. When we met, she told me her story about how she found her purpose. And I thought it would be a really amazing topic for today. And since I think it's such an interesting story, it would be great to start with uh, you telling us a little bit about how you grew up as a child actor and how you kind of changed your path to find a purpose. Basically, when we look at life, especially nowadays where we don't have the kind of lives anymore where you're born, uh, you you mature into a place where you say, okay, this is the job for the next 50 years, but we're more born into really becoming purposeful, right? Into finding this like dharma in life. And a lot of us start out in the old ways and be like, oh, this is a job I should do. It gives a lot of money and prestige and whatever. But then after some time, the dharma really comes calling this like this like purpose, why we're born. And we start to get into places of um, fears, anxieties, frustrations, uh, all those kind of things. And this is exactly what happened to me, even though I have to say I was born into a family of, um, well, you know, classic, there were lawyers and all those kind of things. And I was the one from very early on, I wanted to become an actor and everybody was like, we don't know what to do with a girl, but apparently that's what she wants to do. So let her do that. And um, I started out really young because I had this deep 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 urge to translate my feelings to people but i couldn't express them yet i couldn't express what was going on inside of me i couldn't translate uh, what i saw in the world and that um, that gave me kind of feelings arising feelings that were pressuring or painful whatever i didn't know how to express myself yet but through the body and through telling stories and through my face. And this is how I came into acting. It wasn't necessarily a choice of um, a job, but a choice of how to express myself. And um, 
I was born under very, very good stars, let's say. Like, I was born into family that we, we were really good. And, and I was growing up with my grandparents and my parents and whatever. And from the age of seven, everything changed. And uh, my world completely collapsed. And I had one death following the next and the family sicknesses following the next. And um, all of a sudden, my childhood was over. And in that time, I started acting. So I had my first outlet of dealing with the emotions and with the world crumbling around me through that job. And I did it for a long time, for like, uh, I think my late 20s was when I started. I was always like singing and acting at the same time. So it was always the same thing for me. But in my late 20s, I started to feel the first time this... Um, I, I don't think I can go on like that because when you start as a child actor and you are on stages and you are perceived by people for the job you do, it's never about you. It's never you who are in the equation. It's always just what you stand for, which is a prestigious job, right? Like a cool kid, like, oh, wow, she's traveling the world. Oh, wow, she's filming here and there, da, da, da. And you don't get judged uh, for who you really are, but for what you represent. And this brought me into severe panic attacks, into severe pains, into more and more building up, more and more, and I didn't know what to do. And um, at some point it just crushed. I was really um, at a point in my life where I said, okay, I have been on the stages uh, everywhere kind of I wanted to be. I had been on the red carpets. Uh, I had a lot of money that I earned in very young years. I have managed to deal with all the drama around my family, um, but I'm empty and, and nothing is working for me anymore. And this was the first time I had an understanding of, okay, apparently I'm not really listening to my dharma. Apparently I don't really have a purpose. I'm just doing which I think is normal in a way. Now, retrospectively, I think it's normal because we have to do before we can become conscious about what we do. Um, yeah, and then basically uh, I, I listened to all of that, but I didn't do anything about it. I was just like, oh shoot, okay, this is not working out anymore. And then I had a complete breakdown. So I delivered myself into hospital because all the panic attacks in the world, um, I couldn't just go on with my life. And uh, this is when I really sat there and be like, do I want to continue with this life as is? So either end it or really change it. And then I was like, I have too many people that love me. I can't do it to them. So I have to completely change it. And I said, I'm going to let go of everything I've ever done and start over. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you reach a breaking point. Mm -hmm. And this kind of was an illumination for you that yeah. it was time for you to change your whole life. But then I think what a lot of people struggle with is bridging this breaking point to the actions. Like, how did you navigate this new life for you? Like, you wanted to give yourself a new identity. Can you say that? Or um, I wanted to give myself an identity to begin with because this is what I meant before. We oftentimes start out having an idea of who we are, 
But that doesn't necessarily mean it's an identity. It's not necessarily something we identify with. It's something that happens along the way. It happens by what families we're born into, what regions in the world, what time and space continuum, right? So this is what makes us in the early stages of our lives. And then comes this part of really becoming conscious about it. Who do I want to actually be? With all the personality streaks that I have, with everything that is around me, who do I want to be in it? And what do I have to give that I'm not consciously sourcing yet? And this is when identification becomes, and then real identity, I think. Wow, I've never seen it this way. <laughs> Well, you know, in, in behavioral therapy, you would be like, in the early stages of a life, you learn from others, right? Mm -hmm. You have behaviors that are imprinted, imprinted into you by others living them in their example. And then comes the point where you notice those behaviors don't get me to where I actually feel good. And the feel good doesn't necessarily say it's this job or it's those kind of people. It's really just a feeling of like, yeah, here's some place I, I feel home in that job or with those people mm -hmm. or whatever. And this is the point where we come, become conscious. And oftentimes it needs a little bit of a, of a hurtful place mm -hmm. to begin with, right? It's like <laughs> humans are you know, comfortable. <laughs> we try to remain in that as long as possible. But um, getting back to your question about bridging that, I think the most important, and I think the younger generations are so much closer than we used to be or our parents even used to be, bridging that is understanding when that voice starts to come in that says, this is not right. This is not feeding me this is not me and the next question is who is this me what does this me actually stand for and i have to ask what do i stand for what am i here to serve before i can say what am i here to deserve what am i here to wish for i can only wish for things that i know i i, I feed in a way right it's like this this dharmic being is serving to be served for everyone that's listening and that doesn't know what dharma means <laughs> yeah. how can you define that um so dharma is basically the opposite of karma um it is really life purpose it is what you came into this world as your soul so spiritually speaking you have a soul that says i really want to experience love to keep it super simple valentine's day right so what is the easiest for um, that soul to experience in order to experience love is not being given love. Is coming into a family, for example, where love is very hard to get. So that soul will have a certain kind of body, a certain kind of surrounding that in a way has a karma of having to fight for love. But the Dharma is living love by giving love. And once you step into that understanding of the moment I feel that I'm missing something, but I, I know it exists, which means it must be in me, right? And I start sharing that. 
it will start coming back to me and then my soul really learns what love means and it overcame its karma of not having love and wanting to understand it to its dharma living love and through living it getting it in return wow <laughs> i hope that was understandable <laughs> that, that's every time you speak is blowing my mind and i need to like you know, have like one week to think about what you said to digest it. But this feeling that you talked about inside of you, that you know it feels home, that it's calling you. Does everyone have it and we kind of ignore it? Or like, how do you, do you think it just comes naturally to everyone to feel intuitive about what they want to do next? Okay, this is two different things. The first thing, yes, we all have it. Remember yourself as a child or even in your days now. Mm -hmm. There are those moments where even though you still have wishes for life, the moment is perfect. You're just, it, it just is. You, you just, you don't even long for more in that very same moment or you just, laugh about something so hard and you don't even know why or you have a momentum of where there is so much warmth inside of you and there is no explanation for it but it is this is you being in your intuitive self this is you being connected to your soul this is just you being the main state of of uh, who we are right before we go into what we want or where we come from. And um, the second part you said is um, finding what to do with that, finding a clear purpose, how to live it out, can be found out pretty easy if you work on the first part more consciously. If you give yourself more and more experiences where you have this feeling of home inside of you, of uh, contentment, of peace. And that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to want more, right? But it just means that you allow yourself to have more and more and more experiences where you are just right, where everything is good, because then you have your glass full. And when you have your glass full, you can start to water a seed that you're like, well, actually, every time I do something, I don't know, painting, right? Every time I do that, I get that feeling. Mm -hmm. So why don't I consider a career as a painter? Let's begin with that, right? And you just set the seed and be like, career as a painter, let me water that from the place of contentment, from the place of whenever I paint, it's really joyful. It's really giving me peace. And then after a while you notice, is painter really the thing, right? Well, that doesn't matter. The next step that comes is, okay, what out of painting is what gives me the feeling of contentment? I don't necessarily have to be a painter, but what in that work is actually arising the same feeling in my body? And you become a little bit a detective of the things you love to do. And you dissect the things from, does it always have to be the whole thing? Or is there one thing in there that I can do good, that comes super easy to me, that I could apply to anything else? For example, an architect is also painting. Um, 
an actor is painting an image, but through the body, right? So looking for the red line and all the things you love to do, what is always the same in them? And this pretty much points you very much into the direction of your purpose, of what kind of job to choose. Right, so the first step would be to experience life. If you feel like I've never been to a theater, um, I've never seen a theater piece, then you go there and there's something maybe striking about the actors and you love their emotions. So the second step would be to investigate why did you feel so many emotions when you saw them dancing or speaking so yeah that it sounds like a simple process but i guess what you want to highlight the complexity of it is that it takes a lot of self-reflection and um, yes but mainly that it's choosing the next simplest step everything because if we start talking complexity, we never end, right? It's like, like the universe is growing. Every philosophical thought or every spiritual conversation could go anywhere and everywhere. So what I really want to highlight is we have so many possibilities nowadays. There are so many opportunities to take the simplest thing that you have, the next simple step of this is where I find really peace and joy our soul lives from joy so whenever we do something where we don't think about oh are my clothes actually fit or am i too fat um, or will i make too much money where that is not happening but we're just doing something we're just in ourselves this is to investigate why is that what in this momentum gives me that and then recreate it as often as you can. And when you do that, you automatically, there is no way around, will get to a place where you either get offered a job or will suddenly find yourself living a life purpose that just is. And that just brings you to the next and the next and the next. And we have a tendency to always see the big picture and be like, oh, I want to be this and this and that. And when we do that, we don't notice what we have here that actually already gives us a little bit of that feeling and then the next and then the next. Something related to what you, you just said, it kind of um, like popped up in my mind, is manifesting. Mm -hmm. When we do that, do we at the same time manifest our purpose? Can you elaborate? Yes. Because I want to know where, you, where you're going with yes. that. So, if we have like a positive thinking that I feel a certain way and I want to investigate why and I believe that I will find an answer, not the answer, maybe an answer, is that already man manifesting your purpose, like manifesting something that you want to live by? And yes, yes, absolutely. The moment you start to become conscious, loving awareness, that moment you do live your dharma because your dharma is really to to break it down to the simplest thing is really just living in alignment with your soul and every time we investigate something that arises from within us that has no reason 
this is when we are connected to our soul and when we investigate what in this world sparks that feeling we are walking the path of the dharma the purpose i think i'm connecting something with what you said because you talked about the dharma and explained what it is um and you said the word conscious mm -hmm. but in today's society we are everything but conscious i'm always on my phone always on social media or working or watching something it's so hard to kind of find some headspace and i think that's where tools like meditation comes into place and a lot of people believe in now first of all a lot of people don't believe in meditation mm -hmm. how can we explain like the power of meditation it again it comes back to the same thing you are allowing to be here and now when you meditate and here and now is the only place where you can create your future and everybody especially those who dream really big have to step into the now and this is what meditation is you are letting go you're detaching from the one twos and half twos and have beens and whatever into where am i right now blunt reality and how can i find a glass half full in here because when i start with a glass empty there is nothing in there to water how do i want to water my future my seed if i start with a glass empty but if i start with a glass full then i can say okay this is something i want to water and nourish right and this is what meditation is you basically come to a place where you understand everything you already have everything you are everything you have overcome really see your reality in in its most amazing beauty that it created your wish also to expand right your consciousness because you say you we live in a in a society that is unconscious right and and everybody's on their phone but we're very conscious about that isn't that interesting <laughs> it's a, a bit ironic yes but sometimes it it needs that sometimes you know it's when you forbid yourself from doing something your mind wants it even more right so why not to relax into that and every time you do it consciously do it and i will tell you it will change sooner or later this is like this is meditation when i say i open my phone right I'm like uh, walking around and i have 30 seconds there was no input and i just whip out the phone and da, da, da. Mm. the moment i do it and become conscious of it, i'll be like oh this is what i'm doing right now and then i go into instagram and then i browse whatever and i'm conscious about that i am conscious about me seeking input me most likely wanting to fill a void i can say you know what apparently this is what i need right now apparently there is a void i'm trying to fill so i allow myself to fill it with that the moment i do that most likely after a couple of times my mind will go but i could also fill it with other things or maybe i look into that void because i become curious about it i become 
a little bit of child that starts to investigate, like, why am I always doing that? If I forbid myself from doing it, it gets this secretive thing. It gets this, like, yeah, okay, I blend out, right? I just do it. But the moment I'm conscious, I'm actually meditating. What about the people who have an excess of, okay, I'm conscious that I'm feeling a void by looking at meaningless videos, but I can't get rid of that. Like, I cannot stop doing that. Because those videos are not meaningless. They are designed to be meaningful for you. They are meaningless in a, in a way of content-wise, mm -hmm. oftentimes. Nevertheless, for you, for the person using or misusing them, they're not meaningless. They are faking connection. And we live in a world that is so disconnected. And one of the main things every human being needs amongst water and food is connection. Humans die without connection. And it is very, we have been, well, untrained in a way to reach out to other people because it, we're kind of trained that other people are dangerous, right? A, a person is more of a danger today than they are of, of, a, of a good, of a plus. So we seek for connection where it is safe. And we just need to look into that, how much safer is it and how much does it actually take us away from being in the here and now and really creating a life that we don't need that crutch, that phone anymore. Because it is a crutch. Mm -hmm. And when I start to investigate what the meaning is behind those videos, because again, they are meaningful to us, otherwise we wouldn't use them. If I investigate that meaning and I really allow myself to surrender to that what underlies it all which is seeking connection and getting over this being afraid to be rejected by others in real life right then we come to a place of, of living a meaningful life and not having the need to use that anymore all my life i've been thinking that all these videos that i've been seeing are meaningless and a waste of time but now that you said it I think it makes a lot of sense, especially when platforms like Instagram, when you check them out, it's maybe trying to see what others are doing to kind of maybe connect with them with a similar activity or say, oh, I also went to this restaurant or it makes a lot of sense. but. Coming back to meditation, mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who really believe in the power of meditation and want to start um, doing that regularly. And you know, like 2023, new resolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but they've been telling me that it's really hard to stick with this habit. What would you advise them on how they can implement that like on a consistent level. Mm -hmm. um, first thing, most important, start where you are. When you can do one minute to sit down and close your eyes, and this is all you can do, this is what you do and you don't judge yourself for it, first of all. Second of all, start to understand that meditation is not necessarily sitting down and blanking your mind. I have 
my personal way into meditation, I've been told for decades, literally, um, that I have to meditate. And I was like, I can do everything but that. My mind is a monkey mind, right? It's like all over the place. I'm always thinking, I can't stop it. And everybody was like, well, yes, you should do that. How I got into that was by somebody, and that was one of the most amazing advices I got, by somebody telling me, stop trying not to think, because this is not who you are. But just watch your thoughts. Sit down, close your eyes, and become super curious about each and every thought. And when you have the first thought, and you see already the second and the third and the fourth pop up, you're like, wait a second, I I've just seen the first. Can I just look at this one and become super excited about it? And not you are the thought or you are the meditation, but you have thoughts, putting them in front of your eyes and not always identifying with everything, but allowing it to happen outside of you for a moment and be like, oh, wow, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, that's fun, <laughs> cool, okay, what, what would be the next one, right? Mm -hmm. Same with meditation. It's not, I have to meditate. No, I use meditation. So it's not the whole big dramatic thing. It's more like, oh, it's something simple. It's a tool that I use for a moment. I sit down, I close my eyes. I, could even, I don't even need to sit in like GM Mudra, right? Sit mm -hmm. up tall, whatever. Mm -hmm. You can do that, but you get there over time. You can just be here on the sofa, close your eyes and bring your attention to your third eye point and then tell yourself like, okay, bring it on, whatever it is. <laughs> bring it on a little bit. Right? Yeah. And then you just watch what happens and you don't go into like, oh, damn, no, not that thought, not this, uh, why am I not coming down? Stop the judgment and allow it to be. We are mid-episode. This podcast journey is only possible with your support, so thank you so much. To continue supporting, don't forget to follow Pretty Grounded on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and give it a rating. If I never meditate, I want to, I'm just going to say, okay, I will sit on the sofa and watch my thoughts, and this is where I'm starting. Yes, and that's a perfect start. That's amazing. Every shower can be a meditation, for example. Every single shower. Getting A, the water, for example, is um, it's when it hits your brain, it's neutralizing your psyche. And when it hits basically your body all over, it neutralizes your magnetic fields. Not neutralizes, but it, it kind of like cleans your magnetic field, they say. So when you go under a shower, you can always go in and just watch your body. At the beginning, you have right this like tension. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? And then you become excited about like, oh, now it's getting nice. So you feel this like, Oh, your muscles are relaxing, right? And then come those thoughts of like you start to daydream a little bit when you're underneath there and you just say, hmm, nice. Oh, true, I should do this today. And you start to wonder a little bit. You start to flow a bit. And as long as you're in the shower, you're in this protective realm where nothing needs to happen. For right now, you can just play it out in your mind. When you do that consciously, you have three effects. You have... Your physical system is adapting basically and therefore building more resilience, right? Because it, oh, cold, hot, okay, interesting, I need to work with that. Your mental system is starting to be neutralized because it first of all has the drops, so it's reminded on, on rain, and it has this little bit change of influence, let's say. 
And then you have your emotional system, which has a free space and which it can linger a little bit. That is meditation. Using that consciously, becoming conscious about what your physical body is doing here. And then you go out and you're like, okay, now I'm starting the day. Well, that's actually genius for people who say they don't have time. Like we all shower once once a day, so like almost no one. I was going to say no one has an excuse, but from <laughs> what you said, we shouldn't judge our behavior. So maybe I would rephrase it and say it's an opportunity to take this time that you're in the shower to also be conscious and meditate. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And again, anyway, the worst thing we can do is judge ourselves. We have an inner critic, we have the ego, and they are both important and amazing at the same time, but they're not here to run the show. They are not the ones to tell you what to do. They are here to tell you like, are you really sure about that? Don't you want to investigate a little deeper? Shouldn't we gather a few more informations? Or the ego that says like, hey, you can do better. Hey, we are here for growth, remember that. But both of them are not here to run the show, which is why you have that as a part of your being and you always have the other part that is the little child that actually just wants to, oh, there's a butterfly, awesome, <laughs> right? So yeah. allowing all of them to play, allowing all of them to be, this is how you get into meditation and you can do that anywhere and everywhere and you don't need to find a space or a time. You don't need anything specific to be. You just notice the moments where you, oh, oh, I've just been spacing out for a moment. Become conscious about them. And the more conscious you are, the more you start to use them because you notice how good they feel. I remember on our last discussion, you told me about your cold showers. Oh yeah. <laughs> And since Esther told me about her cold showers, I've been telling that to everyone. And I'm like, guys, you need to know that cold showers, Esther told me that it resets your nervous system and uh, it's so good for you. Um, I wanted to ask you, kind of being part of that scope, what are your habits that you have implemented in your like everyday life mm -hmm. to be more conscious like the cold shower mm -hmm. so yes this is number one cold showers i have to say up front that even though i have routines i allow my routines to change and mm -hmm. I allow days where the routines are non-exist but i'm conscious about them um usually i would go i would get up and before i can even think i go into the shower and for me cold showers are super hard so I go in and I have a warm shower and I just have to say, oh, that's so nice, that's so cozy. Mm -hmm. And then I dream away a little bit, da, 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 look at the window, luckily I have one, but <laughs> you know, you can also just close your eyes. Yeah. And, and then at some point when I feel really comfy, I kind of do that and start to change until it gets like so cold that I find it uncomfortable. And then I stand there and I wait for this moment where I'm from, doing that, right, into, oh, okay, my body adapts, okay, okay. And this is the moment where I leave the shower. I have days where I can do it like really cold and I have days where I do it like, you know, cold-ish. But I do that every day. And afterwards my day starts and then I start to like 
um, either prepare me a coffee or I walk my dog first or something like that. I, anyway, I could recommend to everybody walking is one of the best meditations ever. Walking mindlessly, really no goal, no destination. Just put on shoes, start walking. At some point you will be back home. This is the best meditation you can do. This is part of my daily routine every day. Dog, no dog. For the cold showers, <laughs> for women, I actually heard that you can have an UTI or UIT, how's it called? Urinary infection from yeah. the cold. Is there anything you need to pre, like for only for women, I think? Is there anything you need to prepare for like before? Well, if you have the tendency, I would always check because, you know, I am, I am not a doctor in that sense. But I was always checked with um, Chinese medicine because then there is a reason why your bladder is weakened. And uh, we all have, uh, you know, some parts in the body that uh, when we have stress, this is the part that lights up oftentimes for women. It's colon area, stomach, but also the bladder is, is a very typical thing. And I would always see like, is it maybe a chi or, or a yin or yang overload or something like that and adapt to that. and go into like maybe there's some uh, herbs you can take or maybe acupuncture, uh, acupressure. I work a lot with acupressure, for example, for myself. Mm -hmm. So I would investigate in that and always, for example, when you've done it like two, three times and you are getting an infection, you have definitely overdone it. So there's, for example, uh, the Wim Hof method out there, right? This mm -hmm. like ice cold bath. Mm -hmm. I love it. I think it's amazing, but it's not for everybody. It's not no matter who does that they will have benefits from that no there's people for whom this is by far too much their system works differently and even though there's basic effects from everything doesn't mean that they're same good for everybody so when you have stuff like that or for example you have very very tense shoulders right mm -hmm. so the cold might actually tense that even more then you want to see if you maybe really work yourself gently into that more more putting your focus on the really hot showers so that gets soft and then slowly turn the cold because it's about your body adapting mm -hmm. it's about your body doing this own neutralization of extreme oh i can break it down extreme oh i can break it down that's what you want to train your body Okay, so it's important to watch your body, how it's reacting. Yes. And maybe like if you've never done a cold shower to start very light, like not extremely cold, maybe. Yes, especially because you don't, you don't want to break it, right? You yeah. don't want to, you, you've just started to, to think about um, a new way into mm -hmm. your day. And then you do it so bad that the next day you're like, oh God, no. The audio, then you didn't want anything, right? Exactly. To not shock your body. Yes. Yeah. Also, not your system. Also, not break your spirit, right? Mm -hmm. You you got into this new year of like, yeah, this year <laughs> I'm gonna meditate and I'm gonna do cold showers, and then twice you do it so hard that the third day you're just like, yeah. And then the spirit is broken, and the line is broken, and it's upsetting because you don't have to be so hard on yourself. Yeah, I think this is one of the hardest things we practice we try to practice is self-love and since today is valentine's day <laughs> how do you like 
How do you practice self-love? We are born from love, right? It's, an, it's a dance of the universe that decided that our soul and our energies come into this body. So this is a loving process. This entire thing, our body working, functioning through everything that we're going through is love in itself. So we are self-love. If we permanently keep searching for self-love, we look outside, we try to see it there instead of knowing that we're it. This is one. And the second is the moment I start to awaken self-love in others and show them how beautiful they are and tell them how intelligent and how much I enjoy their company and how much they bring to this world and I see it. This is when my self-love and their self-love start to dance. And this is how we both feel it the most. I love that you said that because Gen Z's love to talk about self-love. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and how it is how it is perceived is the morning I wake up, I take some time for myself, I do my makeup, I uh, manifest, I write in my journal, um, I say five things what, that I'm grateful for, and I prioritize myself. I think Gen Z's, that's how they think about it. Mm -hmm. But I like that you brought the like macro mm -hmm. scope of self-love. Mm -hmm. And you talked about your habits. We talked about cold showers but and walks. Walks are really yeah. important. Very. Um, is there another habit that you also that also helps you to kind of increase this self-love um yeah so what i also think is really important you've just mentioned that is uh, the journaling the gratitude that is practicing self-love because when we're grateful for what we have we acknowledge it and our love, our soul acknowledges it, right? So this is practicing self-love. One thing we have to be really careful of um, is this like self-centeredness, because the moment we are too much circling around our own universe, we get away from connection. And this is when, for example, those things happen like with Instagram, with like zooming out and trying to find connection through being disconnected, through remaining disconnected. Because when everything circles around me, myself and I, I still need the connection. But since I need to keep others my peace for me, because this is all about me, right? And me being happy. And now, da da da, I force the world to look at me and do everything I need, basically, so I can be happy. But that only works when I make sure that the other person is happy too. But when I too much internalize everything, too much focus on myself, I cannot see what the other person needs. And then we can't dance together. And then we are not really living love anymore. And self-love is just another part of love. So it's, it's really this, this connection part again, finding true connections in people. This is how I experience mm -hmm. self-love. And this happens through gratitude journaling, definitely. And there is nothing wrong about saying like, I prioritize my 
my health today, for example, I go get a massage or whatever. Or um, today is about giving my soul something that it's really enjoying, right? Awesome. But never forget, we are interconnected beings. And for example, when I am in a group of people and 60% of those people have a high cortisol and adrenaline levels, so they're very stressed, my system thinks subconsciously in the biochemistry level that there is some danger around here and raises automatically my cortisol and adrenaline levels, which means I get stressed even though I wasn't before, just because everybody else in the room is, mm -hmm. just biochemically. What happens when I, and especially when I'm very much circling around myself and I don't notice where everybody else is, and suddenly I feel this stress rising inside of me, right? And I don't know where it's coming from. And I'm more internalizing and more, then it just raises more and more and I can't find an outlet to it. But if I enter a room and I see like, wow, everybody is very stressed here and I consciously tap into, you know what? I use my self-love to share it for a moment. So my cortisol and my adrenaline sinks because I give the marker, I give to my biochemistry, the indication, hey, you can go down even more. We are safe, everything's good. Then I lower their others, um, the, the cortisol mm -hmm. levels of the others. And then we live self-love through living love. This is like really the more I see somebody needs some love mm -hmm. right now, I give it and through that I raise my own self-love and I come up. I love that you said that, like really, because we have many trends as Gen Z's where it says, yeah, main character energy, everything revolves around me, which I think comes from a space where we want to heal, mm -hmm. especially if you have been going through a tough time and you said, okay, this is about me right now and not about, about others. Um, and I think that's a very good point. And I would like to also know your opinion about you know when you have these friends that need a lot of love but they keep taking and taking mm -hmm. and then you feel empty mm -hmm. because they took everything from you and you're just trying to be a good friend like how do you deal with these situations this is not necessarily love it's coming from a place of love but it's a place of uh, needing attention mm -hmm. this is um This is really using your energies because they're not willing to look into their own rabbit holes, to look their beast in the eye and go through the suffering. So this is why they use the energies of people around them to fill the void and not to have to crash and essentially look uh, really in into the darkness. But they don't do it most of the time. They don't do it um, from, a, from a bad perspective. But you can always see when you give love of course you only give it to the extent that it doesn't burn you out that it doesn't cost you too much and when you have somebody around you that misuses that it only means two things a your boundaries are not clear to that person which means they're not clear to you to begin with mm -hmm. and just because i set boundaries doesn't mean that i push somebody away I just protect my space because this is the first thing in an airplane, right? When they, uh, before you start, 
What do they tell you when the masks fall down, first for you and then for the other? And that is, it is absolutely crucial. You have to remain strong and you have to remain forceful and loving for yourself, of course, in order to be there for others. Mm -hmm. So when somebody uses your energy, you just, you cannot say, don't use my energy anymore. You're bad. You're this. <laughs> no, they do what they have learned. Mm -hmm. They work with their coping mechanisms. It is on you to say, okay, I change my boundaries a little bit. I tell them I do love you. I show it to them the ways I decide now that is good for me. And if that's not good enough for them, then for a time being, maybe always have to part until that person learns to respect also my needs. And this is, we, as long as we run on this mechanism of being afraid of not being liked or losing one another, we're not working yet with the, with the basic ideas of every being is connected. And even if I say to somebody, there's the door, I don't want to ever see you again, still we're connected. On an energetic level, we are connected. So sometimes we have to tell somebody to stop in order for them to decide to come back and also tolerate our terms. And for example, nowadays we have a very difficult situation where everybody's about acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. You have to accept where I am, mm -hmm. who I am, how I identify, all those things. What, what we deny in that moment is to tolerate. The moment I expect somebody to accept me, I don't allow them to tolerate me, but keep their own ideas of, you know, I, I have a feeling uh, somebody lives a life that I don't think is good for them. They don't seem happy to me, but I tolerate it because they tell me this is how I want to live. And I'm like, well, you are important to me, so I tolerate it. If they tell me you have to accept it means I have no right to feel anyhow in my own feelings about them. I am, I am not given any right to have my own position towards, mm -hmm. which brings me into a situation like either I have to love everything you are and you do, but then where am I in the whole thing? Mm -hmm. Or I disconnect from me. And that was all. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Again, don't forget to follow the podcast. And I'm so excited to share with you the next episode where we speak about the techno and underground scene in Berlin. Meanwhile, stay grounded and I'll see you in the next episode. Mwah.